1: Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV, captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change
0: me. Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA. You're with Peter Vlahos. Great to have your company. And today we've got a very special guest that will be joining us in the studio in just a moment. Christina Matthews is the outgoing West Australian Cricket Association CEO. After 12 years, she will leave her position at the WACA next month, March the 28th. So, I thought I'd invite her in today for an in studio interview to look at her 12 years. When she arrived at the Wacker, it was a basket case. WA was struggling to win anything on the cricket field. They had a drought of 22 years in winning the Sheffield Shield, and many in my generation grew up in the 70s and 80s, and even in the early 90s, where silverware was commonplace at the West Australian Cricket Association. It's been an interesting 12 years for Christina Matthews, but gee, she's achieved a lot. Recruiting Justin Langer, who then went on to, of course, uh, be coach of the Australian cricket team, and also dispense with some people that in her eyes, were possibly not good for the culture of the whacker. She made some hard decisions, but she's overseen some incredible highs and also a job that's taken its toll on her emotionally. And as we know, there's been the battle of the whacker board and the CEO. So we will cover all that when Christina joins us for a chat in a little while here on SEN's uh, WA Sports Day WA. And we're here for Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years, and the new refined seven-seat Kia Sorento, Kia's large SUV available now at your nearest Kia dealer. And what's interesting, with Christina Matthews leaving the WACA after 12 years, and in that time, West Australian cricket, under her reign have brought in 14 titles, 14 titles in 12 years. But initially in the opening a few years, she had to get the house in order. And it comes on the back end of another very experienced CEO who left at the end of last year. And we're talking about Trevor Nisbet, who was in control of the West Coast Eagles in that role from 1999. So all of a sudden, the two most prolific sports here in Western Australia, and we're talking Australian rules football and cricket, have lost two very influential individuals in the short space of time. Trevor Nisbet leaving at the end of uh, last year and Christina Matthews, who will be leaving in the first quarter of 2024. So it's interesting to see what the new CEOs will do. Uh, Don Pike, of course, has taken over at the West Coast Eagles and he is filling some very big shoes. And no doubt it will bring his vision and his direction for the West Coast Eagles going forward. But this is his first CEO's position. And it's going to be interesting to see who the WACA uh, take on to fill in the the shoes of Christina Matthews. Again, it'll be someone that will have to continue the legacy of what she's done over a dozen years in that uh, position. And, of course, she's been across... Now, the redevelopment of the WACA ground, and we'll speak to her about that as well. Give us your thoughts on uh, those two very influential people in WA sport, both leaving within about three months of each other. Get on the text line 0487 736 736. Or you can give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota, Osmond Park Open Line 13 1255. Now for Ty Power's big brands better buy sale, which is now on the sports news headlines. And Jimmy Williams mentioned it in the run home that anti-doping investigators have accused, accused the Melbourne footballer Joel Smith of cocaine trafficking in a dramatic escalation of his failed drugs test probe. Now, the Sport Integrity Australia officials have uncovered multiple text messages sent by Smith referencing cocaine after reviewing his phone. In one message sent to Demon's teammates last year, he offered them a quantity of the drug, it is alleged. Any attempt to supply a prohibited substance, even in small quantities can be considered trafficking under national anti-doping regulations. And the Sport Integrity Australia unit has asserted to Smith that he has violated several anti-doping rules and asked him to respond by mid-March before it delivers a finding. Now, the AFL is understood to be awaiting the outcome of the probe before deciding whether to launch its own Integrity Unit Investigation. And in the meantime, the AFL has sent out a statement, uh, literally in the last uh, few minutes, regarding Joel Smith. And it says, and I'm just taking a couple of bits and pieces from the statement, uh, that the AFL confirms that further anti-doping rule violations have been asserted against Joel Smith of the Melbourne Football Club under the Australian Football Anti-Doping Code. Smith will continue to be provisionally suspended pending the finalisation of all these matters, meaning he is not permitted to be part of Melbourne's football program, including Melbourne's pre-season training that is currently underway. And due to the ongoing nature of the anti-doping process, the AFL and, of course, the Sports Integrity Australia are unable to make any further comment at this time. It's a big story. It's certainly the biggest story pre-season and the implications on the Melbourne Football Club are going to be quite significant in relation to the dialogue and the communication that Joel Smith reportedly and allegedly has had with a few members of the Melbourne Football Club playing group uh, and how deep, how deep that is fested within the playing group. So we wait to see what t- transpires from that. And the other big uh, headline news for Tyre Power's big brand's Better buy sales, that is now on, with young defender Denver Granger Barras, the latest casualty from Hawthorne's disastrous AFL intra club hit out. With fellow tall backman James Blank already out for the season after rupturing an anterior cruciate ligament during Thursday's action. The Hawks have announced that Granger Barras will also be sidelined with a turf toe injury, and he could be out for up to 12 to 14 weeks following surgery. So some bad news there for the Hawthorne Football Club. who are having a pre-season from hell uh, leading into 2024. That's all thanks to Tyre Power. The two major stories today. Visit your local Tyre Power store today for a free tyre safety inspection. There are over 50 stores across WA. The other story that got me interesting is uh, regarding what's happening at the Western Bulldogs and... We look at Amit Baines, who is the CEO of the Western Bulldogs, and whether there is a problem between Luke Hodge, uh, sorry, Luke Beveridge, the coach of the Western Bulldogs Football Club, and Chris Grant, who's in charge of the football
1: department. This is what Amit Baines had to say. Is there a tension between the two of them? Uh, There has been, um, you know, In in many quarters, I think, just generally within the department, going back to the previous question about that uncertainty, but um, you know, I was on record um, a couple of weeks ago dismissing some of the suggestions about there being um, a blow up and an unworkable um, uh, breakdown and, and things like that. I think that's grossly exaggerated, and to the extent that um, you know some of these tensions existed within our football program even more broadly um, it's fair to say that um, that was last year and coming back into the new year and I know we'll talk about um, the season to come it's been incredibly positive um, I had the the privilege of being on our training camp up in Maloloolaaba for eight or nine days and um, I saw a really different program in terms of just the excitement the energy the enthusiasm and um, I think the process that we've gone through um, albeit it has been quite um, protracted and, and has involved two stages has actually allowed um, for a lot of the people who have been at our club to to almost have a cathartic experience I think talking about it and, and getting things off their chest with a view to then seeing what changes come from that um, and then just really looking forward and, and having confidence in, in each and everyone around them
0: uh, Christina Matthews, the WACA outgoing Wacker CEO has just actually arrived here at the SEN studio, so we'll have a chat to her in just a moment. Just before we leave football, Adam Uze is the brand new Richmond Football Club coach. I found this quite interesting on removing premiership photos from the walls at their training ground and their hub being Punt
1: Road. I had the luxury of walking in and recognising different photos that were up that might have been up for too long and things like that. It's just like, we need some we need some clear air here. Why is that in this room? Like, that's six years ago. I felt like I was disrespecting people by saying, does this need to be in here, can we can we move it? Can we get some blank walls? And the leaders bought into that. We had a discussion around it, and it was, it was time that that needed to be shifted, and almost like a fresh coat of paint. I
0: don't get it. I don't get it. Why? This is... Why would Adam Uza, who's the brand-new coach, come in and you've got all the premiership photos, and one's only six years ago, not as if it was in 1925 and there's no relevance to the current playing squad. Now, this was a period of sustained Richmond success, and the leadership group had decided to bring all those photos down, give it a fresh coat of paint, so there's blank walls that say, OK, let's create our own. Uh, no, I just don't get it, but... In the end, is this a case now of, again, AFL clubs not respecting their legacy, their history, their past? And Richmond is one of the proudest football clubs in Australia with a huge fan base and has produced some of the greatest players that have ever played this game of Australian rules football. And all of a sudden, you're removing premiership photos and uh, maybe being in some ways disrespectful to those players that are featured in those photos that went through blood, sweat and tears to maybe encapsulate uh, what has been a tough period for Richmond until they won those three premierships. and one was only six years ago and he said he brought the photo down, which would have been the 2017 photo, I gather. Interesting. Adam Who's I don't agree with you and I don't agree with uh, the tactics of the leadership group, but hey, you're the man in charge and you're now directing what's happening for the Richmond Football Club, going forward. All right, going forward after the break, we'll speak to Christina Matthews. Have a listen to this. This is going to be in some ways an exclusive because she hasn't spoken about some of the issues that we're going to talk about after the break regarding her tenure, 12 years it's been, as the CEO of the West Australian Cricket Association. She joins us next here on Sports Day WA for Tulmart and Kia. Welcome back to Sports Day WA on this uh, Tuesday. Great to have your company, and I'm really excited about our special guest. Uh, She has taken the time to come to our premises and our studios here at Optus Stadium. It's certainly an individual. When I heard the news that she was going to bow out as the chief executive of the West Australian Cricket Association, I was a bit sort of taken back in a sense because I know personally I've respected this individual for what she has done for cricket. I've spoken to a lot of people within the industry that have just lauded her for her initiatives and changing the fortunes of WA Cricket around. And deep down inside, she's been a good person to deal with. Very rarely does she knock back an opportunity to promote the West Australian Cricket Association. So after 12 years, on the 28th of next month, being March Christina Matthews bows out as the CEO of the West Australian Cricket Association and she joins me in the studio. Christina, thanks for your time.
2: Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here again.
0: Can I say congratulations on a stellar career with the Wacker?
2: Well, thank you very much. It's been a wonderful journey um, with highs and lows, um, but you can't ask for much more than being part of something you've loved your whole life, so it's great.
0: How do you think you'll feel on March the 28th?
2: Um, well, nervous because it's our awards night, so uh, I don't know what the staff have got planned for me. <laughs> um, I, I imagine kind of the next day, which happens to be Good Friday, I'll kind of sit there and go, oh, I'm not going back to work anymore. Um, but, you know, I'm really comfortable with the decision I've made. I made it in the light of knowing um, how much more I had to give, which wasn't too much, mm. and um, knowing it was time for, for someone else to take over.
0: When did you make this decision? I gather you would have thought it through for a considerable period of time.
2: Yeah, probably um, after last season. So around about uh, April, May, I started to think about what I should be doing and um, uh, probably made the decision um, firmly three months before I announced it.
0: So now you look back on your career, you came over when WA Cricket was really on its knees. Can you take us back 12 years when you got the job as the Chief Executive officer of the West Australian Cricket Association? The silverware wasn't coming our way. After we were used to it during the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s, it dried up. And you came here and WA Cricket was struggling. How did you find the whacker then?
2: Well, I mean, I didn't really know um, how things were inside the organisation until I, I got here. I did have a funny situation where uh, Stuart Clark came into my office at Cricket New South Wales once he heard that I was coming over here and just said to me, you know, they're a mess. And I went, no, I didn't, but thank you very much. Um, Stuart has a tendency to just be quite blunt. Um, but I really didn't know what was meant by that.
0: Was it a mess?
2: Well, it was different to what I expected and it was different to what I'd experienced before. And, and there was a whole range of things, like... Uh, uh To be fair to the organisation, they'd come through a period of financial hardship in the early 2000s. Um, I think uh, when uh, David Williams and Dennis Silly came over in, taking over from uh, Brian Rakic and others, the organisation only had $500 in the bank. There was a $12 million debt. So they had to work hard. Um, And they did, and and I was fortunate came in and we had $15 million in the bank. But they hadn't got to the stage yet where they started to fix some of the infrastructure problems... Um, The nets had holes in them. Um, The gym was non-existent. The medical room was third world uh, at best. So there was a reason why things were the way they were. Um, So I got the the luxury of of being able to start using some of that money to make the facilities better for the players and staff, which then allows you to have a little bit more accountability on, on staff and players when you're providing them with the tools they need to be good at what they do.
0: It's interesting, the WACA, uh, and I've been involved in the media a, long, a lot of time, there's a lot of committees. There was a lot of committees at the WACA. I think it was three committees, one running, running club cricket, one running state cricket. Anyway, it was a men's domain. You took over from Graham Woods. Yeah. What was the initial reaction that you are getting? Christina Matthews, what, a woman's taking over. Did you get that at all?
2: Well, uh, I did find out later. That's what some of the staff... Um, uh, said, but it uh, turns out they were staff who worried their jobs are at risk mm. um, and they were right to be worried. Um, and, mm. uh, but yeah, there was, um, again, the previous regime had done a lot of work on um, in getting to that point of paying off the debt and whatever, in streamlining the organisation. So um, uh, we had a very good affiliate set up, which we've been able to build on, but there were too many committees, and I think there still are, whether it's football or cricket, Um I think sports found it hard to move from the volunteer world into the professional world, and they still tend to think that the volunteers have have much more idea about what should happen rather than the people who are in the job day to day. So um, uh, you know we removed a, a number of um, committees because my view at the time was, if X isn't happening, I need to be accountable for that, not a volunteer who comes in and, and makes decisions. And I, I felt it was better for the staff to know that the responsibility started and stopped with them. Mm. So if we didn't deliver, we knew where to go um, to address it.
0: Were there disciplinary issues at the Whacker when you took over? Did you have to sit down a lot of staff and basically look them in the eye and say, this is the way it's going to happen? This is what we're going to be doing?
2: I think um, there hadn't been a mentality of planning for the future. It was very much... Working in the moment, um, and our players and staff had, had probably at different times not behaved um, well um there was the famous incident um before I started but I had been appointed where the staff were drinking on the pitch before That's an indian correct. test match
0: and there was a photo taken of yeah,
2: that yeah yeah and, and you know that tended to be pushed to the side but having been in the game for a long time it's just something you never do you don't go near a test wicket um you know for social reasons in the in the lead up to a test so things like that I don't think they'd been educated on so it was a matter of educating and and obviously some people want to buy into that, some people don't. Um, and some people we move on, others self-selected. But, you know, I think that's the same with any new person. They come in and they want people around them who are going to buy into their um, vision. Um, I always gave the, the um, in this case, the staff an opportunity to be part of what that vision was going to be. And once we'd done that, then they're accountable um, to that, the values and the behaviours we put in place. Um... So it wasn't like a, I came in and, and just went bang, bang, bang. People have an opportunity to buy in or not. Um, and over time, and that, to be honest, as a CEO, that never stops. It's not like you you, you move towards a good culture and then you don't do anything for 10 years. It's a day-in, day-out proposition, reminding people of expectations. People slip there, you know, like happens in every, every workplace. And our players... Um, I think – I guess I got some weird calls from people who who had been in charge um, prior to getting uh, – telling me that, you know, players, you know, were out drinking on drugs or, or, or whatever. Um,
0: Reading the CEO.
2: Yeah. And um, my view was, well, if you haven't got evidence, don't call me. Um, that's not to say we didn't think it was true, but, you know, it's – So colleagues were prepared to dob in fellow colleagues. Um, yeah, there's more about um, uh, kind of administrators dobbing in players, right. things like that, um, uh, when they had, b- had the opportunity to do something about that um, before.
0: You brought Justin Langer in and yeah. all, of, all of a sudden things started to change. Can you take us about before Justin came on board, no doubt you approached him and what the discussions were about Justin coming in and basically shaking the foundations of WA cricket on field?
2: Yeah, so we, um, we'd had a, a terrible blow-up in South Africa with our team at, at um, uh, the Champions League, as, as it was known That's at the where time. That's when
0: Mitch Marsh was implicated. Oh, Sean Marsh, actually. Well,
2: it? To, to be fair, they bore the brunt. Sean and Mitch both bore the brunt of it. But it was the entire... Uh, other than four players who weren't out, they were all involved. Um, but because of Sean's reputation in particular and then Mitch being his brother, people were ready to put them in the gun. Um... I wanted to um, just look at it as a whole and understand. Um, We talked to a lot of players during that period. Um, And um, it's funny, I got a text from um, Mitch when he won the Allen Border medal. I sent him a note going, congratulations, mate, really proud of you. And he wrote back saying a long way from when I was a naughty boy in your office. <laughs> um, and, he, and he was a kid. He was only 19 or 20. Well, he actually turned 21 on that trip. Um, so it was important. Um, as a result of that trip, we lost our captain and, and eventually our coach. Um, we needed to start again. And it was a – these things to me are always opportunities. It was an opportunity to reset, um, to get someone who really wanted to captain the state and to get a coach who, who really could make a difference myself and the high-performance manager, we knew we want, what we wanted to achieve. We knew how we thought we could achieve that. And that's, uh, as has been spoken about a lot, was about understanding the values and the behaviours that go with that and making people accountable and responsible to upholding them. And, um, you know, I'd never... M- I'd met Justin once many years before. I didn't know him. Uh, his name was being talked about quite a lot. I had been warned previously never to appoint him as coach. Um, there were people who had a, you know, um, a bit of a set against him. I think he'd applied previously for the coaching role. But the moment I met him and sat down with him and we talked about what we thought it could be, it only took five minutes before I knew we are on the same page in terms of, what we believe is appropriate in terms of behaviour, how we move forward. He's, uh, as we all know, he's a man who looks to be the best he can be. He's, I'm, I'm the same, you know. When you're connected with something, you want it to be at the high point. So uh, getting him involved wasn't hard and the, the board were fully supportive of that. And, um, uh, you know, he came in. I, I'd like to think he learnt a lot in that period as well. Um, uh, but it was... Um, it was a joy having him on board, and then when he left, it was the right time for us to move into another phase. And, Adam, vastly different to Justin, but the same good core values.
0: We're talking to Christina Matthews, my special studio guest, the outgoing CEO of the West Australian Cricket Association. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll look about the return of the West Australian cricket team to winning trophies and winning them by the bucket loads, if we can term it that way, particularly in the last three years. Christina, 14 domestic trophies in her 12 years as a CEO. It's just been a a great era for WA cricket from where it was when she took over. More of Christina Matthews after the break here on Sports Day WA. Welcome back to Sports Day WA. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the Key complete Tool Centre and also Kia, Peter Vlahos with in-studio guests, the outgoing CEO of the West Australian Cricket Association in Christina Matthews. Christina, we spoke before the break about uh, getting Justin Langer on board and all of a sudden, things started to turn around fairly quickly, which was just incredible to see that WA was back where it had been all those years ago, at the top of the cricket tree.
2: Yeah, he was uh, only coach for I think less than eighteen months when we won our first one-day title of the period, and then not long after that, our first Big Bash League, and then there was a, a, a kind of a run of those. And um, uh, and then as time moved on, we won a couple of women's trophies uh, as well. Um, the thing that always evaded us um, was a shield win, and uh, part of that was. Um, We were happy to be winning the the white ball tournaments because we needed to be creating our depth in in the long form and we knew as time went on in the the men's game that there were some players who couldn't play all three formats for physical reasons, um, for just um, not being able to cope with the demands of three formats. And um, so when we um, change... Um, uh, from Justin to Adam, we were able to sit down as a um, sort of group and look at, well, how do we win a shield? And we made some decisions around players like um, Jason Berendorf, Andrew Ty about they're only going to play white ball cricket. And then you produce players who will play in the early times, only red ball cricket. So, such as um, Joel Paris mm-hmm. seems to be a red ball. So, Understanding our playing group better was part of that, which is very difficult for people. And the game has changed so much. And, you know, sport is a romantic um, place to be. And people always look for what went before. But... Um, You know, there's always challenges, and our our current challenge is um, franchise cricket around the world. How are we going to adjust to that? How do we make sure our players always want to come back to WA and don't become um, journeymen, or as is the case now, journeywomen? The opportunities for the women is enormous. So you've got to be on top of every change that's happening in the game, and, you know, unfortunately, in, in sport, Some people don't like change.
0: It's interesting uh, that Cricket Australia has been so complimentary and they have really uh, huge tributes regarding what you've done for cricket, not only in WA but in Australia. And you've been an advocate. You uh, basically formed the WA Cricket uh, Foundation and created opportunities for thousands of people of all abilities and backgrounds, to play the game of cricket. You've always been, because of your great playing record, 20 Test matches for Australia, numerous, of course, uh, uh, one-day internationals as well. Uh, and still, to this day, you've played more than the Test matches in the women's uh, game than anybody else. So you've got a real passion for the game, but you wanted to broaden it yeah. from, as we discussed earlier, a male-dominated sport. Is that one of your great delights to see where it's come, away from the men's game?
2: Yeah. Look, there's a couple of things with, with that. One, I think everybody should have equal opportunity, and where you have a, a, an opportunity to create those um, uh, opportunities for people who might not have them, you should do it. But there's also a business imperative. If you're only ever um, focusing on one half of the one half of the population in terms of gender, and what is becoming a smaller proportion of your overall community, um, i.e., traditionally white men your business is going to run into trouble. So there's kind of a smart business thinking behind doing that as well. Um, it starts off in the right place being about um, equality and diversity and inclusion. But it pretty much then rolls into people see what you're doing and they want to be associated with it because um, companies now want to be associated with um, organisations that are doing good in the community and they can hang their hat on to be part of and so forth. So we know that the um, development of the foundation and the broadening of our game has made a massive difference to our commercial opportunities, um, particularly where um, commercial partners are concerned.
0: We've loved watching, uh, of course, the Perth Scorchers in the WBBL and the Australian cricket team, and there's yeah. been great West, West Australian representation in that. When you look at the WBBL, you know, Beth Mooney has been involved with this. Even Meg Lanning was yeah. involved with this for a while and, and so many others. I spoke to John Maguire many moons ago, oh, yep. who was yeah. such an in, a great Indigenous yeah. cricketer that never played for WA but was a great cricketer at club level. And I asked him why maybe Indigenous people hadn't taken up cricket. And he felt... It was a bit compromised by answering the question. What's your experience when it comes to Indigenous players, maybe not taking up cricket? To the volume of other sports, particularly ball sports.
2: Look, I think there's um, well, there's a couple of issues there in terms of when John played. It wasn't a we weren't a particularly open Mm. country, and if you watched movies or TV series from that era, you'll understand what I'm saying. It was a very um, uh, sort of white Anglo-Saxon environment, And, and cricket is really connected to the colonisation of our country and the British coming and taking over. So there's always been that negativity um, towards cricket. Now, you couple that with the fact that traditional cricket is very equipment-heavy um, and very difficult to play and very... Um, I think only golf, historically, would be have more rules than um, mm. that. It's not an easy game just to pick up a mat and ball and go ahead with it. in more modern times... You know, we've realised that cricket can be played in many different forms uh, and many different ways. So we have wonderful programs now for Aboriginal players um, that start at five-year-olds through the adults. And, in fact, um, uh, in a couple of days, our um, male and female Aboriginal teams go away to play in the national um, championships. And two years ago, we formed an Aboriginal Talent Academy to try and break down some of those things. Um, Very difficult. Our history is littered with stories of... Males and females who played for WA who never recognised their Aboriginal heritage because what would have happened had they done it? And most of these people were of paler skins so they could get away with being European Mm -hmm. or or white. But, you know, we know that um, we we have one particular woman early days of, of WA women's cricket. If she'd said and owned her Aboriginal heritage, she would have had her children taken off her. Um, we know of a, a male cricketer, um, you know, in the late 50s, early 60s, that if if he acknowledged his Aboriginal heritage, he would have been forced into um, uh, shutdowns, um, uh, uh, curfews, so forth, and wouldn't have been accepted in the community. And, um, you know, I think, while well, you can't ever prove this. I think probably that's what happened to John um, mm. Uh, um, that uh, he was obviously Aboriginal um, and, and life was difficult for him at the time.
0: Christina, just looking at yourself now, were there times during your 12-year tenure where the job got too much for you?
2: Yeah, several. Because you, you actually <laughs> took a bit of time away from the game, didn't you, just to yeah, and last... maybe get yourself right? Yeah, the last 18 months have been very difficult and I've taken two breaks in in that time um, and there's been a lot of talk about our board um, in in that period. Because it
0: was a volatile situation for a while with the board, wasn't it?
2: Well, it still is. Um, There is a a certain board member who, um, if people are aware of of some of the things he's alleged to have done, they would be horrified. Um, But... um, you know, it's a board matter. I'm not able to speak freely other than how it affects me. And some of the correspondence I've got from that board member is horrific. Um, and, you know, in those periods I took off, I didn't want to be around um, that individual and, you know, the members of the board who were supporting that individual.
0: That's not one of the reasons why you've decided to step away. No, no. Not at all? No, no. It
2: wasn't. Uh, I never let any individual... Um, force me into decisions. I think about what I want to do and how I want to do it. But, you know, if that's the direction that the members and the board want to go, well, um, you know, that's their prerogative into the future.
0: What about cricket here at Optus Stadium? Uh, The test match, the Eastern States uh, media had a field day saying that the attendances weren't acceptable for that test match that we had against, firstly, the West Indies and, of course, Pakistan this year. What do you say to those critics?
2: Well, you know, it's like any stats. You can choose to to do them anyway. The fact of the matter is we had a 40% more crowd than we'd ever had before for a Pakistan test match. We, in fact, had higher attendance on day four than uh, I think Brisbane um, did. So um, there's all sorts of things. If you look at attendance on a per capita basis, we're way ahead of other states uh, in terms of the uh, percentage of population that goes to test cricket. So uh, I think as a cricket's always been a sport that's been about spreading the game around um, and ensuring the states get even o- opportunity. Will we get
0: a test match every summer going forward? Do we you have think?
2: to. There, there is. We are contracted. In various contractors, whether um, it's with so broadcasters. So this talk about
0: taking the Test match away from Western Australia, literally, it can't happen. Can't
2: happen. Right. Yeah, we know we're going to get an Ashes um, test match. Um, we know we're going to get an Indian test match because they're five test um, series. Um, uh, our government is very supportive of um, uh, test cricket and, and cricket um, uh, generally. And look, we've seen the last two years, the Perth Scorchers have broken every record going. They're far and away the leading team in the country for attendances.
0: Well, you're getting over 40,000 here. I was yeah. broadcasting the game. It was just fantastic. It was, you yeah. Walking around in your all orange
2: outfit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't know what I'm going to do with all them. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's just been magnificent. We we, um, we always take a conservative approach to what our crowds are going to be because that's the unknown. But we blew it away the last um, two years and the players love that. The players are heavily engaged with how, what more do we need to do? How can we do it? But it's a, the BBL is a, com, a combination of on-field success and off-field success. Um, uh, fan engagement and how you treat um, the people coming to the games.
1: Chris,
0: a couple of final questions I need to get through. It's been just such an engaging chat. Uh, The WACA redevelopment, uh, which is a crowning glory for you. Uh, You went to the government, I think you got, what, $75 million, something like that. Um, When it's completed, what will it be like and what will be housed at the WACA?
2: Yeah, so it's ended up being $164 million Is that right? Was it initially
0: yeah. about $75 million?
2: That was the plan, oh, $75 okay. million. And uh, then we got hit by COVID and, and um, price increases. And um, then the government wanted to put a swimming pool in. So, um, <laughs> that's
0: what Basil Zemmich <laughs> said, a few things to say about that. Yeah,
2: that's right. But, th- I mean, the aquatic facility is uh, we will be the envy of the country when people see it um, when it's finished. It'll be a different experience, but um, it's fantastic. The cricket facilities are going to be outstanding for our players, and, and that... That was the driving force originally. Our players have the worst facilities in the country and players don't like coming here from uh, other states to play because everything's sort of below par. So new dressing rooms, new gym, new sports medicine, a, a new 10-lane uh, indoor centre, fantastic. But also for the community. The the aquatic facility will be fantastic. We have an all-abilities playground. Um, uh, we have sensory rooms, calming rooms and changing places for severely disabled. Our Our museum will be fantastic. We've got a new um, two-leveled museum about the Wacker Ground itself and then cricket at the Wacker Ground. Um, And we hope to be able to tell those stories. I mean, there's been something like 50 concerts at the WACA, you know, with Mm. the Rolling Stones, the Monkeys, Neil Diamond. I saw my
0: very first concert at the WACA in 1974. I saw Neil Diamond there. There you go. I remember it.
2: So having those things on display in and around the ground is going to be fantastic. And it's amazing. It takes so long to get going, and it's going to be finished in June next year. So, Really um, excited
0: about that. We could talk forever. Uh, what will you miss about the job when you depart on March the 28th? As you walk out those whacker doors for the final time as a CEO and you look back over your right shoulder at the the ground in your office, what will you miss the most? Well, if I was
2: being facetious, I'd say my car park. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, look, I think it's like when you play. The thing you miss are the people and the camaraderie that goes with working in a sports environment. Um, The... um, you know, we're, as, as you've said, we've won 14 titles. And the lovely part about that is just sitting quietly after the game with the players, with the coaches, with the staff, and thinking about, gee, how good w- w- was mm. that? Um, and so... Um, and we always make sure the staff and the players celebrate together. So if it's not on the day, we have an event in the next few days where everybody can come together because everybody contributes and um, it was lovely to finish up on the weekend with a a women's test match um, with Australia playing and winning and iconic things like um, Annabelle's 200. um, Elisa's Healy 99, which I I said to her, more people will talk about 99 than 100 100. and all of a sudden her and Mitch are Mr and Mrs 99. (laughs) Uh, So um, those sort of things are are what you'll um, miss, but... um, I'll enjoy, I think for the first month, I'll just drive past the Whacker about 100 times a day watching the redevelopment. But yeah, uh, yeah the people is, is what you always miss.
0: You're an Eastern Stater when you were born and bred. I think you were mm-hmm. born in Victoria. Yeah. You spent a lot of time in New South Wales playing cricket there. Will you stay in WA?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I've always loved Western Australia. I came here a lot as a player and enjoyed it immensely. And Um, when we first came over, you kind of, this is more a a defence mechanism than anything real. You sort of go, oh, probably three years and I'll go back. And that's more a defence about, well, what if I'm hopeless? Mm. Um, And, uh, you know, we've just grown to love Perth and WA and and this is home now. And uh, I think we all got an opportunity during COVID to really understand how lucky we are here.
0: Can I congratulate you? I'm going to miss you, actually, (laughs) because you've been a great uh, supporter of myself and uh, certainly the radio organisations that I've uh, worked for. You've always been very open. And are very accommodating. I wish you the best. I'm Thank glad you. you're staying put mm-hmm. and I know you'll be looking at other opportunities uh, in the not-too-distant future. We're of the same generation. I think we've got the same morals and the same understanding of what's right and what's wrong and you've done a lot of right things at the Whacker. So congratulations. Thanks for taking the time out to cross the river and come to our studios here and Wish you the best in retirement and enjoy the final five weeks.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Christina Matthews joining us here on SENWA Sports Day. Really enjoyed that. Back with more to wrap it up after this. Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos on this Tuesday. And just here's a quick update, a community update, thanks to Fire Firecoat. Be alert and be prepared this bushfire season. Stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online with the Department of Fire and Emergency Services... Visit dfairs.wa.gov.au and this community update is thanks to the new fire coat, the first paint proven to protect property in high-risk fire conditions and it's available at all Bunnings Warehouse stores. Wasn't it great to have a chat with Christina Matthews, a real deep dive in what's been an incredible career as the CEO of the West Australian Cricket Association for 12 years and she bows out on the 28th of next month. Hope you enjoyed that. Now for nutrient ag solutions going further for Australian farmers, let's just recap uh the, the stories of today. And young defender Denver Granger barras is the latest casualty from Hawthorne's disastrous AFL intra-club hit out. Fellow tall ruckman James Blank already out for the season after rupturing an anterior cruciate ligament during Thursday's action. The Hawks have announced that Granger Baras will also be sidelined with a turf toe injury and could be out for as up to 12 to 14 weeks following surgery. So bad luck there for the Hawks. A WA tennis star, Storm Hunter, was on the end of a brutal call during her match against Anna Kalinskaya at the Dubai Tennis Championship. She was serving at Love 15 Down 1-4 in the first set. Hunter's first serve was easily returned by Kalinskaya before the Aussie gave up the point because she heard an official say let. Thinking her first serve clipped the tape, Hunter hit the ball towards a ball kid at the net expecting to be replaying the point. There was just one problem. The let call came from another court and the chair umpire awarded the point to Kalinskaya and explained to Hunter that he didn't say anything. And finally, Steve Smith could be in a battle to find a starting role in the Aussie T20 national side with Captain Mitch Marsh hinting Australia's team is settled ahead of the upcoming series against New Zealand. The Aussies enjoyed a 2-1 series win over the West Indies this month with a number of major cricket stars rested after a long summer of cricket. So that brings you up to date, thanks to Nutrient Ag Solutions, going further for Australian farmers. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll do it again tomorrow between 5 and 6 right here. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, serving WA for over 45 years, and the new refined seven-seat Kia Sorento, Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Thanks very much to Jimmy, my executive producer, and Connor, who's uh, panelled the program here this afternoon. I look forward to your company from 5 o'clock tomorrow right here on SENWA.